I love discovering new music, new artists, and I love sort of, as you said, marrying that music with, you know, film, an image. It can be really important from the filmmaker standpoint as far as communicating, you know, the emotional feeling of a scene. Yeah. And then for musicians, it's awesome because it can be great financially for them because it's tough to sell music these days. So I've noticed a lot more musicians actually, you know, trying to license their music right. as far as being able to keep doing what they're doing. And then also because it's amazing for them creatively, too, to see how their music is used. Yeah along with the visual. So I think it, yeah. it's a, a two-pronged thing. I think any music can be right for licensing. Right. I've seen filmmakers use all kinds of music. Yeah. Even music that's, you know, someone might consider lo-fi, you know, like not right. recorded at a fancy studio. Maybe the musician's actually going for that, like kind of lo-fi garage sound. If that's the aesthetic, that's the aesthetic, you know? So I think it can be any type of music it just depends on what the director's looking for i'm so glad you said that i think it's really exciting when you can find some new artist who has a song that fits perfectly in a film and no one's heard the song before and it gives the artist a chance to get some exposure and the filmmaker a chance to make an awesome and new exciting soundtrack for sure right. i think that's another problem i've run into is that so much money is spent on other things and then when they get to the music licensing they're like oh this actually costs money and it's like yeah if you want <laughs> You know, yeah. a certain caliber of music or, you know, you just want to get, you know, a lot of different songs for the soundtrack. You do need to make sure that money is left aside for the licensing because not all artists are willing to license gratis. And if you do have some kind of budget, it makes sense that they're not willing to do it because yep. you had money and you spent it elsewhere. So that's not really fair to them because they put their blood, sweat and tears into their music just like you are in the film. Oh, well said. So I do think, yeah, it, it is important to, you know, try to at least leave some money for music licensing if you do have a budget. Yeah, absolutely. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Cinema After Dark podcast. I'm Max Cole, the host and producer of this podcast, and I am broadcasting from the entertainment capital of the world, sunny Los Angeles, California. The sun has set and the moonlight is now upon us. Thank you for tuning into this podcast tonight. I want to remind all of our listeners that you can listen to all of the episodes if you subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Remember, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, make sure you reach out to me via the contact link that is on our website. Please make sure you have some skin in the game prior to reaching out. And by skin in the game, you certainly need to have a few credits under your belt. We value that strongly here at Cinema After Dark for credibility purposes. We also have to have something to talk about. Strongly recommend that you follow us on Twitter at Cinema After Dark for the latest show updates. I want to remind everyone listening that this is an information and discussion-based podcast. We don't censor ourselves, and we sure the hell do not censor our guests. So please keep in mind that there might be views and opinions expressed on the show that may not reflect the views and opinions of the hosts. We've got a cool guest tonight. Wonderful lady by the name of Chloe Rains. And let me tell you a little bit about Miss Rains. Chloe Rains is a music supervisor and a talent booker with experience in film advertising and live event promotion. Her music supervision work includes advertising campaigns for Puma, UFC, Dunkin' Donuts, and Jägermeister, as well as indie films, including Tater Tot and Patton. Fort Tilden and Good Enough. Recently, she worked on Spotify's Drawn and Recorded series, Blind Willie in Space. She's also done live event promotion and talent buying for events at South by Southwest, CMJ, and various venues in New York City. Chloe has a Bachelor's of Arts in Music Composition from Bates College and a Master's and music business from NYU. I'm looking forward to sharing this wonderful discussion with all of you tonight. I think you'll find it rather informative and very valuable. So make that fresh batch of popcorn, sit back, relax, and get comfortable while you listen to tonight's guest.
Oh my goodness, have we got a treat tonight, Miss Chloe Rains. I am thrilled to have you on this podcast here this early evening. And God, I just got to thank you again for coming on and hanging out with us tonight. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Goodness, it is certainly a treat. And oh gosh, I know the, the music side of the uh, entertainment industry is such a cool part of entertainment and especially as it relates and connects to the film industry. So it's cool to have someone on the show that can kind of share their role and some of their experience. Kind of want to start with your backstory here and give our listeners some context. Would you mind sharing, you know, where you were born and raised and how you got started in the entertainment industry? Yeah. So I was born in Boston, Massachusetts, and I've been playing guitar since I was really young, probably around 10 years old or so, started lessons. So I was always really involved in music for most of my life. And I was also involved in theater growing up. Yeah. So when I got to college, I decided to major in music. And after college, I ended up getting my master's in music business at NYU, which is where I learned about the role of music supervision. Mm. And so I started working with filmmakers while I was in grad school, and it just kind of took off from there. Wow. Very interesting. When you were younger, though, I want to kind of rewind a bit, though. Did you always have a thing for music? Were you just like, you know, obsessed with it? Was it a big part of your upbringing? Because it was a big part of my upbringing, especially music videos for that matter. But Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely a really important part of my life, especially when I started taking guitar lessons and getting into playing music. It was really kind of the most important creative aspect for me coming up where I really had that outlet writing songs and I also was singing and I still I play in a band now. I have a solo project called Hallocene. So I still am a musician cool. to this day. Oh, very good. But stuff. that's kind of yeah, how it how it kind of evolved. So what uh, what music videos were you into? Do you have any favorites from childhood? Oh Island? God, there were so <laughs> many. I think I love so much. I think from a genre standpoint, there was so much like to watch and to listen to. I mean, there was a point there in like the 90s and the like the early 2000s where like music videos were just so popular. And I mm-hmm. think everybody had videos. You know, you had, oh God, <laughs> from rock videos to alternative, R&B, hip hop videos. It was such an open market for music mm-hmm. and the labels were just so booming during that time. And, uh, Oh God, it was like everybody had a deal and everybody had a music video. So you saw so much musical diversity that, oh God, I, it's so hard to name some that were, because there were so many good ones in all different types and so much artistry yeah. that like, mm-hmm. oh God, I just missed that. In many, many ways, I missed that uh, whole era of music videos. And yeah, yeah. Did you have a favorite or like anything that you were kind of into then? Because there's so much to like watch. Yeah. I think so. Just in general, I was really into Nirvana and kind oh, of the yeah. whole grunge thing. Yeah. So I think I like the music video for Smells Like Teen Spirit. I remember loving that one in the gym. <laughs> yeah. And then also Black Hole Sun, that music oh, video. Yeah. Like melting Barbies and very weird, trippy images. I remember thinking that was really cool when I was a kid right. on MTV. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's crazy how music videos and music, you know, influences our lives in so many different ways. One of the reasons why I love music videos so much was really because, you know, it was really the kind of perfect, as I call the perfect marriage between music and film. And mm-hmm. I love cinema. And I loved, you know, this idea of being able to really see or kind of visualize an artist's interpretation visually of their song, their lyrics. And that was really the only way to really do that. I felt like those music videos gave the songs that much more life because you would hear them spent on the radio. And it was cool because I think what one thing radio does is it allows us to kind of personalize music differently and we get to kind of create the story around it or whatever we have visualized whatever our experiences are but music videos in general you'd really get to see that artist's interpretation of that song and it would make us feel a certain type of way and they were just really popular i mean it was mtv days it was just oh this is awesome so yeah it was, it was good times mm-hmm. <laughs> very least. true yeah yeah i bet you really appreciated them too i mean obviously you have interest in both you know film and music so that had to be kind of uh something that uh you know you were really into too as well especially you know being a musician yourself and playing in bands and whatnot that's 
that's kind of uh, been really attractive. Did you do any music videos yourself? Have you been in any? Actually, yeah. So for my most recent recording project, I released an EP over the summer, last summer. And for each of the songs, I directed a music video. Oh, my. Love that. Yes. That, that was kind of a fun and different thing for me. Because, you know, I am like, I'm a music supervisor by trade, but I thought it'd be fun to kind of dip into directing and see if I could make my own visions come to life as far as how the visuals related to the music. Yeah. So that, yeah, it was really fun. Oh God. I love that. Yeah. I went to a musicians Institute. They had a film IT program as music videos, film, commercial television, but mostly music videos there. And I love that program because it was just geared on mostly music videos, although people do commercial mm -hmm. projects and I did some commercial projects, things like that there, but that was just awesome being around musicians and being alumnus there is awesome. It's a really good place. Have you been able to check that place out? No, I haven't, but that sounds really cool. Oh God. It's just an awesome school. Just great place. You know, they've got so mm -hmm. much good equipment there and because they have like upstairs, downstairs, you see drummers and folks on the guitars just playing. It's just a really, really cool mecca of just really wonderful people. And just musicians creating like 24 seven too. Wow. But, uh, that's amazing. So tons of vibes. Oh very vibey. God. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> much so. Very, very much. So. A lot of cool people though. Let's, I mean, a lot of good indie artists come out of there. So, uh, really, really cool, uh, experience. You guys have something like that out your neck of the woods? Just like a, a school for musicians. Yeah. Like a really for contemporary really cool. music. Yeah. You know, I, so growing up in Boston, we had Berkeley. Yeah. Berkeley College of Music, which was really cool. I did a summer program there when I was in high school in the guitar performance program. And it was, I think, basically like 200 dudes and then me, <laughs> <laughs> maybe like maybe a couple other women. Yeah. But it was a really funny. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's such is life. Oh, right. I hope that's changing. That was a while ago. I hope it's different now. Right. But yeah, it was really, it was awesome. A really cool environment. And there's a lot of musicians in Boston because of Berkeley, which is cool. So that was really kind of a fun thing to have around growing up. Oh, good stuff. Very, very cool. Gosh, let's fast forward a bit here and talk about this music supervisor role. I'm so curious about it and I'm sure our listeners are. So, you know, how did you become a music supervisor? and a talent booker for that matter, but we'll talk about music supervision. We'll talk about the talent aspect a bit later in the program, but obviously, you know, a career in music was something you wanted to have. How are you able to get into that and make that happen? Yeah. So initially going into grad school, I envisioned myself working in A&R at a record label. That yeah. was kind of my goal. And at, while I was in school, I interned at RCA in the A&R department. It was an amazing internship. I had oh, a great awesome. time. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. There was just a lot of like listening to music all nice. day. And I thought, wow, this is this would be a really cool job. Hell yeah. But at that time, I also learned about music supervision because I didn't really realize until grad school what that role was and that it was actually a real you know, career that someone could have. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, this is actually quite similar to A&R. And it was of interest to me. So after interning at RCA, I went on to intern at MTV in the creative music integration oh, department. Oh, nice. How was yeah, that? and that was, it was great. Really, really awesome experience. And my intern supervisor now is actually the head music supervisor at Vice. <laughs> she, yeah, she was amazing. And she's yeah. gone on to do awesome things. So that was yeah. a great internship. Yeah, it's crazy how that happens, right? Yeah, yeah. So she was, you know, working as a music supervisor at MTV and I think uh, moved on shortly after I left. But it's really been awesome to kind of watch her career. And then also my supervisor at RCA is still there doing amazing things. So it's really cool to have been able to work with those people. Wow. But so I guess uh, while I was interning at MTV, I ended up taking a class in the Tisch school. Oh, yeah. So like at Tisch, cool. uh, the film school. Yeah. And that just allowed me to meet all these filmmakers who, you know, were working on films themselves and, you know, needed a music supervisor. And I was like, hey, well, I'm looking to, you know, yeah. learn more about that role and I would love to help you on your film. So started working with students there. And that's kind of how I really started doing the work and, and getting into it. Wow. Very cool. That's a great segment, actually, into licensing in general and why it's so important. Would you mind sharing, you know, what the benefits of licensing music is for film 
And, you know, why it's also important for musicians in general. Sure. So I think having a great film soundtrack is an essential creative part of a film. Yeah, me too. And certainly that that could be like, you know, a composed music, like a score. But I think there's something really special about having, you know, pre-existing music tracks that are creating a soundtrack in a film. And that's more what I focus on. So, you know, I certainly can oversee composers as well. And I love, you know, some of my favorite film, quote unquote, soundtracks are, are you know, score. Yeah, right. But I think I was really attracted to working with pre-existing songs, it's, you know, mainly because I'm coming from that, you know, A&R standpoint, where it's right. like, I love discovering new music, new artists. And I love sort of, as you said, marrying that music with, you know, film, an yeah. image. It can be really important from the filmmaker standpoint, as far as communicating, you know, the emotional feeling of a scene. Yeah. And then for musicians, it's awesome because it can be great financially for them because it's tough to sell music these days. So I've noticed a lot more musicians actually, you know, trying to license their music as far as being able to keep doing what they're doing. And then also because it's amazing for them creatively, too, to see how their music is used (laughs) along with the visual. So I think it's a a two pronged thing there. Uh, That perfect marriage. I, I really believe that. Now, how does someone know if their music is right for licensing? You know, I think there isn't really an answer to that because I think any music can be right for licensing. Right. I've seen filmmakers use all kinds of music. Yeah. Even music that's, you know, someone might consider lo-fi, you know, like not recorded at a fancy studio. Maybe the musician's actually going for that, like kind of lo-fi garage sound. If that's the aesthetic, that's the aesthetic, you know? So I think it can be any type of music. It just depends on what the director is looking for. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) I was hoping (laughs) you'd say that. And I'm really glad that you said that. I just don't think there's any limitations or we should put limitations on, you know, what's appropriate for cinema. You hear so many interesting scores and also just, you know, songs that are used in films, even ambient noise. I know it's Mm -hmm. uh, the possibilities are rather endless, say the least. Now, would you mind sharing how film licensing works from a music supervisor's perspective? Sure. Um, So the first part of the job is the creative side, you know, generally, unless there's already a song that the director has in mind and they just want the music supervisor to license it. But so as far as the creative goes, you work with the director, you know, sit with them in a spotting session to discuss the music placements. Maybe they have a track in there that's temp and they want to replace it. Right. Mm -hmm. But so the first part is just pitching different song ideas for the placement. And then once we decide on, you know, the song that we want to pursue, the licensing process can be boiled down to two basic steps. First, you have to clear the composition. So like the underlying composition of the song, which is, you know, the notes on the page that the music itself, which is typically controlled or owned in part by a publishing company. Right. Then once you've you know, finish that step, you go and you license the master. So the recording of the song, and that's typically going to be owned or partially controlled by a record label. So once you go through that whole process, and that's, you know, doing the negotiations, figuring out the rights, and then, you know, paying for it, then that's when you have a song. The other thing is, if the artist is independent, and they're not signed with a publishing company or record label, it's much easier because you can just go direct to that musician and license from them in one fell swoop. Yeah, that's, um, that's the way but I if prefer, it is more the way. <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, yeah, of course, of course. It's so much easier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we Unless all we all would prefer it be that way. And I think, honestly, it's we're moving in that direction. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, That's I think artists are, are trying to stay more de- independent. Right. So. Yeah. The industry's kind of forced that in some ways. Now, is it possible for an independent artist or a band to get their music placed in an independent film or on, like, a TV show or in an ad on their own? Yeah, I mean, they can certainly pitch their own music to music supervisors. It just takes some legwork. Mm-hmm. You can look up people's emails, email addresses and you know, send them your music. I get lots of submissions. But to be honest with you, I, most of the music that I license, I'm not necessarily picking from submissions, but just looking into independent artists that are featured on music blogs or oh, that awesome. I'm coming across on Spotify. I'm so glad you so, said that. You know mm-hmm. what's interesting about that? I was just going to ask you, you know, how important is being on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, Spotify, or just anywhere social media wise, you know, these social media sites or these music sites, how does that help get music licensed? And obviously there are folks like you that are looking for artists 
to uh, kind of help facilitate that, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, whenever musicians kind of ask me about strategy for that sort of thing, I always say just be everywhere, <laughs> you know, because you never know, like, if someone's going to be using SoundCloud or if they prefer Spotify yeah. or if they're just kind of clicking around on Facebook or Twitter. And I think if you're not there, you're missing opportunities. And I really do license a lot of music from independent artists, and that's how I find them. So awesome. I always, you know, recommend being everywhere. Oh, God, I love that. Now, yourself, I guess we could speak for music supervisors in a somewhat general sense. What are you all looking for when you're you know, searching for artists on social media? Is there certain things that you're looking for? Is it just the music or is it the presentation? You know, do they have to have a website? You know, how are you looking for them? And, and also, what are you looking for? That's a great question. And you know what's funny? It really is different when it comes to music supervision versus the talent booking, which I know we're going to talk about later. But as far as just licensing for film, all I really care about is what the music sounds like and that there's some contact information. Nice. Um, I, I know. And some I people don't have that. Sorry to interrupt I you, know. but it drives me crazy as a creator that's looking for it. Mm -hmm. How do you, you find like a good song and you can't freaking contact the person who I created know. it? It drives me nuts. It's How's totally insane. Yes. Oh, please continue. That just drives me crazy. I had to say that. Yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people don't realize, I don't know, or they don't think people will be looking around and, and interested in contact them. I, I don't know the reasoning behind not having at least some sort of a contact email everywhere. Yeah, right. But I, I've run into situations where I remember I was trying to license music from an artist for a documentary years ago. And I emailed them, they didn't respond. The director really wanted their music. So I was like, how can I get in touch with these guys? You know, they're not <laughs> responding to this email that they probably never check. So I ended up tweeting at them and, and they got back to me immediately. So I guess oh, gosh, <laughs> that worked. <laughs> I hate when they make it that difficult to get in touch with them. Like, you know, and oftentimes it's people who want to have their work in films and it just drives me crazy or, in commercials or whatever it may be, they, they want to share their work. They want to license it, but you just can't get in touch with them. So I'm so glad you said that. Like artists, if you're listening, please get your <laughs> freaking contact information out there. Oh my God. Even if you have to create a generic account for inquiries, just do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and check it too. That's yes. the other thing. Like don't yeah, just exactly. make it actually open it. <laughs> right. Right. That's so, so true. My gosh. In fact, that's even impacted when I've selected music for films. There's times when I'll just literally, it'll be whoever actually responds or whoever's, you know, the most responsive. Yeah, that could be such a big part of it, too, as mm -hmm. well. Now, what are your thoughts on gratis licensing? I mean, is it ever okay to license your music free of charge in or exchange for exposure or for credit? Because I see that in any film production often, and I'd love to hear your perspective of it. Yeah, you know, that's always an interesting issue. I do think it's okay, depending on what the project is. Yeah. Filmmakers spend so much money making movies and they don't ever see a dime in oh, profit, you know, truth. so it's right. Yeah, you know. So I think oh. musicians, you know, a lot of times do understand that. And even though, you know, they know that their music is valuable when, you know, it's an independent filmmaker and it's a short film that is, you know, clearly not going to make tens of thousands of dollars in right. profit. <laughs> I do think it's OK, uh, you know, gratis or a really low fee. And yeah. I do you know, know that a lot of musicians are OK with that. And I think it's OK if it's that type of a film. But then when there is some kind of a budget and it's, you know, an indie film with some sort of a, a budget of some kind, it's really not like ultra low budget. Right. I do think that filmmakers need to remember to leave money aside for licensing. Absolutely. Right. I think that's another problem I've run into is that so much money is spent on other things. And then when they get to the music licensing, they're like, oh, this actually costs money. And it's like, yeah, if you want, <laughs> you know, yeah. a certain caliber of music or, you know, you just want to get, you know, a lot of different songs for the soundtrack, you do need to make sure that money is left aside for the licensing because not all artists are willing to license gratis. And if you do have some kind of budget, it makes sense that they're not willing to do it because yep. you had money and you spent it elsewhere. So that's not really fair to them because they put their blood, sweat and tears into their music, just like you are in the film. Oh, well said. So I do think, yeah, it, it is important to, you know, try to at least leave some money for music licensing if you do have a budget. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because you see it both ways. I've seen sometimes too where <laughs> there's, there's a couple of filmmakers that I know who have spent so much money trying to license very popular songs mm -hmm. that it literally they could have actually shot a second film like their their, their music <laughs> budget was actually more than their actual 
whole film budgets. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. You kind of have to be very careful with that. And hopefully you can work with folks that where both folks can kind of see the uh, fruits of their labor because that sometimes is a very weird and delicate balance there. Yeah. You know, that it's interesting that you bring that up because it really is the other end of the spectrum. And, you know, certain publishing companies, record labels, certain artists will charge an arm and a leg yeah. for use of music, especially when it's like a really famous song. And the thing is with indie filmmakers that I work with, I always encourage them to instead of going with that huge famous song that everyone's heard a million times and it's already been in a million films or TV shows, let's actually, you know, find an independent artist who hasn't been featured in a film yet, who would love this kind of opportunity and who, you know, ultimately will excite people who are watching the film because they're like, oh, who is this? You know, like, I want to check out this music now. Yep. Salute to that. Yeah. I found that that's a really cool way to put together a soundtrack is actually finding music that people haven't heard yet and don't necessarily recognize because music discovery, even via a TV show or a film is really exciting to people. So I I always encourage not spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on the music if you can't afford it, because there's so many awesome independent artists out there who would love to participate in that sort of thing. Oh my God. I love that. You're killing me here. You're getting me all fired up. See, this is the type (laughs) of stuff that gets me excited there. I love that. I love working with indie artists. I love independent music. So Ah, you're killing me here. Mm-hmm. I know the folks listening there are uh, getting just as fired up. And if they're not, they're crazy because that's what it's all about. <laughs> I think as an indie creator, it's so cool to work with other indie artists. And it's cool that you know there are individuals like you that can help make that possible. Gosh. Yeah, no, awesome. of course. I think it's um, I think it's really exciting when you can find some new artist who has a song that fits perfectly in a film and no one's heard the song before. And it gives the artist a chance to get some exposure and the filmmaker a chance to make an awesome and new, exciting soundtrack for sure. Oh, so, so true. I think there is a little bit of ambiguity there in how this process works. So how should a band or an artist contact you to get his or her music placed or how do they find you because i think a lot of people don't even know what a music supervisor does not everybody has access to the same information or knows how this whole thing kind of works so how do they kind of get in contact with you obviously you're looking for folks too but how do they get in contact with someone like you. Sure. So there are a couple ways you can go about it. You can certainly just do the research. I think even if you just Google music supervisor or music supervisor directory, people will come up. So that way you can find my email. You can find my website. My email's on my website. And I do get a lot of people just sending me emails. And, And in that case, just sending me a short note, you know, hey, here's our music. We kind of sound like this, or this is the genre. And then a link to streaming music. Great. Another way to go about it as a musician is to send your music to sync licensing companies. So there are a bunch of companies out there who will take on your music and pitch it to music supervisors on your behalf. And then they take a cut, you know, whatever licensing fees that you get if they do place your music. Hmm. So that's another way to do it as well. Okay, great. Glad you shared those. Thank you for sharing that information. Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, this stuff may seem obvious and I think it's obvious for those that work in the industry, but for those that don't, you know, you have to find out some way. And I'm glad that you kind of broke that down for anyone that might be listening to this podcast, I appreciate that. Now, mm-hmm. you know, say someone wants to get their music placed, you know, do they have to be signed to a label or, you know, publishing company? They have to have a publishing deal first. Oh, no, no, definitely not. And most of the independent, I mean, when I say independent artists, I mean, I usually mean artists that are not signed to either. You can be signed to one and not the other, but certainly, you know, if you're independent, you can pitch your own music to get licensed. And then when we do license it, you get 100% of the licensing fee. You don't have to share it. You have to split it. So you certainly don't need to be signed to get your music placed. And it's actually makes my job easier. Right. And then it means more money for the musician. Absolutely. For sure. Good stuff. So glad you said that. Good deal. Well, Chloe, I think this is a good place here to take a short break. You've been so generous here and we'll give you a chance to reset. We'll also give our listeners a chance to reset because I do want to pick your brain a bit more after we return from the break there. How does that sound to you? Sounds good. All right, great. Well, we're going to take a short break here, folks, and then we'll come back with more of Miss Chloe Rains after this break. Do not go anywhere, folks. We will be right back.
back to the Cinema After Dark podcast. Ah, we are continuing a wonderful discussion here with Miss Chloe Rains. And gosh, I want to pick your brain here a bit more. Certainly an enlightening discussion there during the first half of our conversation. And gosh, it would actually be terrible of me not to ask you this question. I mean, we are an independent film show, and I've got to ask you, what types of movies do you like to watch yourself or is TV your thing? Because there's been so many great TV shows now. Are you a streaming services type of person? What is on your screen? Sure. So I just finished watching the show Fleabag, which was on Amazon. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely loved it. It was recommended to me by a filmmaker. Nice. Actually, a few few different filmmakers have brought it up and I was finally like, okay, yeah, (laughs) gotta gotta, watch this. (laughs) I saw my list too. I hear it's fantastic. Yeah, it's excellent. And did you binge watch? I guess, no, I watched it over over time. I try to, you know, stay in control there. (laughs) (laughs) It it can be hard, but I do my best. (laughs) And then as far as movies go in the past couple of years, I would say some highlights for me were American Honey from this past year. Right. Yeah. Excellent, excellent movie. Oh, yes. And let's see what else. Krisha was a great mm, film. Nice. Loved the soundtrack. Or yeah. it wasn't actually soundtrack score, no, score for that yeah, one. Score. was amazing. Yeah. Moonlight was one of my favorites yeah. from this year. Yeah. Also beautiful score. Yes. Yeah. I think I, I have a broad range as far as my taste goes. Like I really like all kinds of film. I do try to keep up with independent films and go see them in the theater as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah, good, good. You support the indie film movement. I love that. But there's so <laughs> oh, many yeah. good films. I mean, that's, I mean, you, you know, you've got your blockbusters and that's great. And you've got your studio, your big studio produced films and that's great. But these indie films, I tell you, there's such great stories, you know? Oh, God. It's just something about the independent film that's a little different. And it's cool that uh, you're somebody who loves them too. Very cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I get a kick out of some of the soundtracks that people go with, too, as well. You know what also had a good soundtrack? Um, get Out. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I have been trying to see it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the whole last week. Yeah. So I like <laughs> was trying to get one friend to see it, and then he had to cancel because his show was going live, and then like another friend who had to cancel because he had to write some paper oh, or something. I'm like, guys, goodness. somebody come see Get Out with me. Yes. I'm too scared to see it by myself because I feel like I might get like frightened, you but know, I don't know. It's not <laughs> frightening. It's actually, it's not frightening. It's very, it's weird because it's twisted. And it mm-hmm. just plays on so many like stereotypes, different things. It's just a really unique film and definitely take note of the score. Cause it's really unique. I love those really, really unique scores. So I think you'll appreciate okay, great. that. Definitely I'm going to go see it by myself. Then. If, you said, <laughs> if you said it's not too scary, I'm going to go I'm gonna do it. I don't care what anyone says. I can't wait Seriously. to see it. I heard it's a phenomenal. Oh, so yeah, it's I'm a, really looking forward to it. It's a good time. It's good for a good last. I'd actually say if you can go with someone, it's even better because you'll laugh with them. Definitely. You know what I mean? So try to not. I'm going right, to right. come there and grab you and take you to the movies. I know. I wish. <laughs> Seriously. It's, uh, it's really worth it. So uh, yeah, definitely check that out. But I kind of want to know what kind of music you like and what you're into, too, as well. You know, like what's on your playlist right now? Obviously, you're someone that's really deep in the music scene in general. You know, obviously, you listen to stuff that you probably wouldn't normally listen to just because it's a part of what you do. You know, is there anything that's on your playlist right now that you'd like to share? Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Run the Jewels. Ah, I've been, yeah, big fans yeah. of theirs for a while now. Yeah. Let's see, what else? There's this great Boston band called You Won't. Oh, um, nice. On heavy rotation. Also, um, this artist Mitski. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's kind of on the rise right now. Yeah. Um, Angel Olsen is another one I've been listening to lately. Nice. Um yeah. So and also the Orwells, yeah, they're oh, on yeah. my new Spotify playlist. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of different bands. I do try to like pay attention to more up and coming artists. That's again like similar to I love going out to indie film. I really love listening to indie artists and just checking out you know what's underground oh, before it blows that. up. Right, right. That's pretty cool. Is there places to do yeah. that out there? Are you right? You know, I guess for me, music blogs are a yeah. great way to check out up and coming artists. And then in New York, I mean, there's so many great music venues, you know, Mercury Lounge, pianos, yeah. Baby's All Right. You could just go check out indie artists any day of the week. So it's it's really awesome living here and being yeah. exposed to that. I can imagine. Oh, God. Love that stuff. A lot of good places mm-hmm. in LA too. Just so many nowadays to check out good indie music. Just, yeah, definitely. Hmm. 
nothing like it. There's really nothing like it. I imagine you go to a lot of concerts or try to attend concerts frequently. Yeah. Yeah, I do. You know, I, I certainly try to get to at least two to three a month. Oh my, that's awesome. Not, <laughs> yeah. If not more often than that. So it, yeah. it's definitely a big part of living in New yeah. York. And I'm sure as I'm living in LA as well, the music scene is so great. It's just so easy to see good music any night of the week. Why not? You yeah, know? absolutely. Oh God. Stuff gets me excited. I tell you. <laughs> it really, really does. Now, what are your thoughts on the streaming services like Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, et cetera? You know, do you have any thoughts on them? Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, it, it's definitely an interesting time for the music industry. But I'll just say, even though I'm, you know, a professional in the industry, I've always just kind of consumed music in the easiest way possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, as soon as iTunes was available, I downloaded music and, you know, and purchased it through the iTunes store rather than going out and buying CDs because right. that was easier. And then as soon as Spotify came out, I used that because that was easier than iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I've just kind of like gone with the flow. And yeah. even though I, I know it's been a struggle as far as, you know, royalty collection and, you know, perhaps the labels haven't been as thrilled with what Spotify can pay. It's better than illegal downloading, which pays True. zero dollars. Good point. Right. So I think I think it's a good trend. And I think the different players in the industry, including the streaming services, will continue to figure out what works best for them as well as for songwriters and musicians. Oh, good stuff. What are your thoughts on you know, music placement companies like you know, Broad Jam, Taxi, um, what's that other one? Tide License or whatever that one was. I, there's another one, too, that I it's a bunch of them, but those are some that I know about. What are your thoughts on those? Like, are they helpful? Because you like think artists should have to pay a fee to have someone you know, kind of like pitch their music. How, what do you think about that? Ooh, I don't want to ruffle any feathers yet. here, but no, I, I do not believe that. Yeah, I'm glad you asked because I think, you know, I'll put in my two cents on the, you know, whatever. Yeah. I do not believe that artists should have to pay to have their music pitched. I right. think that's silly. I think they should get paid to have their song in a film because it's, you know, I, that's the nature of licensing is that, yeah. you know, the filmmakers using their music and they should be the ones seeing a, a paycheck for that. Right. So I don't like the concept that an artist would have to pay to put themselves in that position. And there are lots of, you know, really legit sync licensing companies that will work with musicians, independent musicians and pitch their music that don't charge yeah. musicians mm -hmm. and but they're you know they're picky so they they pick music that they think that they can place that they're comfortable yeah. pitching and so i think that's that should be the model it's like they you know there should be companies who select artists based on whether or not they feel comfortable pitching it and mm -hmm. then yeah. if they you know get a placement for that musician they should take a percentage or whatever as long as it's not too high but oh, i yeah. don't believe that musicians should have to pay for that service yeah me either and i think if they are it's maybe a little sketchy yeah to say it but yeah there's, yeah it's something that's that you know it's something to be aware of for sure mm -hmm. absolutely there's, there's some eh, some snaky services out there that you got to kind of keep your eyes out on that's that's what i'll say yeah it's really important to do your due diligence regardless so right sure for sure now what are some of the changes or trends that you've noticed over the years that you'd like to share because you've mentioned a couple on here you know some certain trends you've, you've talked about streaming services yeah is there anything that you'd like to share from some of the changes or trends that you're noticing as far as music licensing or just yeah, music in general music in general maybe a little bit of both just mm -hmm. in terms of the way the business is flowing now you know, is there anything that sticks out to you that you know maybe good and maybe something that you wish was a little different perhaps you know, as as long as I've been doing this, not a whole lot has changed outside of the shift over to streaming services. I think that's been huge. Yeah. And that's been a big thing. I think what's going to happen in the future is that I think artists will start to stay independent for longer. Mm, yeah. And potentially, you know, permanently and more often. Right. So I think we may be seeing kind of a shift in the whole record label publishing company model. You know, certainly we saw that with Chance the Rapper who didn't even release a physical product of his album and, yeah. you know, was able to win all these Grammys well-deserved. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's just going to happen more and more. Right. So I think, you know, that this shift to streaming has been big and I think there's going to be a continued trend towards artists remaining independent. But, you know, as far as the licensing goes, there hasn't been too, too much that's changed mm -hmm. in my time as a supervisor. Mm, good. Good to hear. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you think about technology and its impact on, you know, way music is just, 
produced, created, and also licensed for that matter? Well, it's certainly easier for musicians to record high quality music now. Yeah. So I think that's kind of, you know, opened the gates to, you know, anyone really being able to make an album on a budget and have it sound really good. Right. Similar and to then film, as, by the way. And yeah, right. No, exactly. Right. The, the digital technology has yeah. really just made um, it possible for more filmmakers to be able to tell their stories. And I think that's really cool. I think it's awesome. And I think with distribution online, it's also allowed you know, those music, same musicians to release their music and they don't need to make CDs. So there's a much smaller overhead costs. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's just kind of like allowed more people to put out music. And I think that's exciting. Yeah. Which means that there's, you know, you're bombarded with tons of content all the time. But I True. think if you can kind of weed through it, there's a lot of really great music out there that I wouldn't have heard, you know, oh, yeah. if it were happening in the 90s. Yeah. So. Yeah. So true. Mm hmm. Very true. It's interesting. By the way, something you said a moment ago about film. Do you think film will become the same way? Do you think it'll become more independent? Or do you, I mean, it is actually becoming more independent just because of the technology in the digital era. But do you think that it'll run into a similar situation as music has over time? I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly not as well versed in this, but I think that, you know, having Amazon and Netflix you know, starting to fund projects. And also it's like the golden age of content and oh, TV. Yes. There's just so much. Yeah, I think that is about the barriers to entry in a similar way where, you know, you have all these different services that are um, distributing the content. Mm, yeah. So that has really kind of changed things. So I, I think, you know, it is headed in a similar direction, but I think what's super exciting is that, it, you know, most of the content that I've seen coming out of, you know, Netflix or Amazon, it's super high quality, and, yeah. you know, amazing stuff that is totally comparable to what's coming out of big studios. So, oh, so true. Right. Yeah. I think it is a, a similar trend and it's, it's, uh, you know, looking good so far. Yeah. It's a good thing too. I think a little bit of that competition too is good. You know, it, mm -hmm. just, it shouldn't be one way to do anything. And I feel that way about just watching television in general. Like you have like 7,000 channels and you have to subscribe to like a bunch of channels that you would never watch. And with, you know, with streaming services, you can kind of pick and choose what you want to watch. And I, I think that that's what it's all about right there. And I don't know. I just like that model a bit more. This idea that yeah. we can, you know, pick and choose what we want to watch and pay for that as opposed to, you know, paying for, you know, all this bundled services that get thrown on us and you just can't avoid. So I don't know. It's an interesting area with that. And film is certainly like that, you know, cause you can pick whatever film you want to watch and just watch it. So, uh, I, I'm glad music has sort of stayed that way, but mm -hmm. obviously we have some work to do on the television side of things with some of these shows and networks. And I, I don't get how that's how they function, but Oh, goodness. That stuff kind of makes me sick sometimes. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting about content distribution and how it's being shared nowadays. Mm -hmm. it's, it's quite fascinating. Now, would you ever want to, you know, do more music videos? Because, you know, that's that's something that you mentioned earlier in this conversation. You know, do you, do you get the itch to, uh, you know, do a little filming? You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I nice. really love it. it. It's been really fun that the whole experience of actually being behind the camera and directing. Yeah, yeah I uh, I would love to continue to do that. I, I don't know that I'm at like the level yet where someone would actually hire me to do that, like someone yeah. else's music video. But um, yeah, you know, why not? It's been it's been really fun. And I got a couple of cameras that I enjoy playing around with. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Oh, my goodness. That's a niche that you'll continue to scratch. It gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. Know, it starts right? to spread. Oh, my God. It's going to get you. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. Boy. That's fantastic. I love that. I really, really love that. Now, let's talk about this role as a talent booker, too, which is really, really fascinating. I mean, anyone on the podcast who has been a talent booker. You know, would you kind of describe what it's like working? Because you've done some really cool advertising campaigns, you know, for Puma, MLB, you know, UFC, Dunkin' Donuts, Jägermeister. Mm -hmm. What's that like? I mean, that's pretty cool. You know, that's yeah. You know, what happens? You know, can you kind of take us behind the scenes of how that kind of manifests and what your role is? Yeah. And so I do two different types of talent booking. I guess it's all kind of like, you know. Talent booking is talent booking. You're booking yeah. talent. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. the two different things that I've worked on include live events. So that's been a big one. Yeah. So like just booking a show, booking talent for a show, and then also booking talent to appear in some kind of a campaign. 
Mm. So as far as the live event booking, I started getting into that because I had a music blog back in grad school and for a little bit after that, where I began to put on like independent shows presented by the music blog, which is now kind of transitioned into just my all around music supervision company. Yeah. But I would book, you know, for bands or for musicians at an indie venue in New York City and put on a show maybe every couple months or so. And I did that a lot. And that kind of, you know, evolved into other companies hiring me to book talent for their events. Oh, um, and cool. I think I recently counted and I booked over a hundred bands what? during my time. Oh, I know. My. Can you even believe it? I can't Goodness. even believe it. That's a lot of free tickets. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, most of those shows were my own shows. So that's awesome. Yeah. So that that's kind of part of it. That's fantastic. So you kind of really created that career path yourself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like funny because it just kind of happened. And then I'm looking back. It's like, oh, wow, I really like got up and did that. Yeah. For, yeah, I think I just, you know, I knew someone who owned a venue and they were like, hey, do you want to put on a show here? Because it looks like you're featuring cool bands on your blog. And I was like, yeah, I guess I do. I'll do it. Wow. And then I did. And then it was successful. So I kept doing it. But it certainly That's was. Tough. It was a lot of work and yeah. coordinating, you know, I, I think I booked one event at a music festival called CMJ, which is no yeah. longer around. But mm-hmm. I think I booked 15 bands for one what? show. You know, and that stuff gets it's crazy. Insanity. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my. But it's fun. It's exciting. I, I really yeah. love working at live events because you never know what's going to happen. And, yeah. you know, watching live music is always a pleasure. So. Oh, very cool. Very, very good stuff. I always almost curious about that. Anything else you'd like to share about that world? I don't know. It's uh, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's just uh, it's fun and it's fast paced. And I think in a lot of ways, it's really helped me with music supervision because I was always looking for, you know, cool new bands to perform. Yeah. And sometimes I'd find one and be like, hey, you know, that song would be great for this film that I'm working on. So I've actually licensed music from a, a handful of bands that I booked live. And that's Crazy. how I found them. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's it's been cool. Yeah. Are people generally appreciative when you, you know, reach out to them and you, and you start doing that? Are they coming from a pretty good uh, energy? Like for licensing? Yeah. Yeah. For booking and yeah. And licensing. Like, mm-hmm. because, you know, some some things that we do, some occupations that we do, you know, you got to deal with some real hassles. I mean, you just got to sometimes. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, how, what is it like? You know, what's the energy like when you reach out to people? Because they've got to be pretty happy, I would imagine, right? I mean, there's are pretty good vibes. Yeah, totally. I think musicians are, are generally thrilled yeah. to, you know, get opportunities like that. And, you know, throughout my career, I've always really tried to always be fair to artists, no matter what. Nice. Even yeah. though it's like, you know, when I'm working on a film, I'm actually, I'm working for the director, but yeah. I always, you know, have to remind people that I work for and also keep in check myself that like building relationships with musicians that last will really be beneficial to everyone involved. So, you know, if I've heard about, you know, promoters and, you know, maybe supervisors who have, you know, come on with artists and really taken advantage of them, especially like people talk about live event promoters like that a lot. And at my shows, you know, like I always paid artists as much as I could and they knew that and they kept coming back and wanting to book with me again. And as far as the film stuff, you know, I always want to be as fair as possible to the artist so that they'll want to license with me again. So I think Mm -hmm. that it's really related in that way. And it's been a really positive experience working with artists. And you know what? I I am a musician myself. So (laughs) that's really where I'm coming from with that. It's like, I treat them the way I would want to be treated. So that's my approach. That's what's great about it. I always find people that have some skin in the game that are doing it, that are familiar with it are always the best to work with. And that always are really good at their jobs. You know, it's it's cool because you understand both sides of it. And you know, if I'm an indie filmmaker, I reach out to you and I've got this. I just finished this, this awesome indie film, you know, this feature film, and I'm really looking to play some music in it. What types of things can I do to make the collaboration more enjoyable and more fulfilling and, and to kind of get the ball rolling? You know, what do you want to see from our side of the, uh, I guess, the equation there? Sure. I think the most successful projects that I've worked on as far as soundtracks go are the ones where the director has some sort of like taste for the soundtrack or a clear vision with what they want the soundtrack to sound like. Yeah. So generally coming with some temp tracks, you know, some inspirational songs that they want the soundtrack to kind of encompass that vibe. That's really helpful. And, I, you know, most directors have that anyway, because oh, yeah. I think the vision of the music is a big oh, part so of big. a film. Yeah, 
Absolutely. All right. So right. I, yeah, that's not something that's like a rare as far as the collaboration goes. But I think that is, if I had to, you know, pick out a, a key an important thing that would be it is just like having some kind of a, a vision with the sound because I can certainly help you know with suggestions if a director has no idea but I think generally it's more exciting when they do have some kind of idea because then I can kind of vibe off that and then it's much more of a collaboration so that's you know my suggestion I guess okay great where does it go from there are we are going to be in the same room or are we going to what kind of collaborations do you like the most you know how much hands-on do you like to, to be you know in the process because you know, there may be, and I'm sure there are many, you know, filmmakers who have never gone through that process before. They've never, you know, gone through the whole, you know, licensing process, or maybe it's their first time. Yeah. You know, so I love meeting with filmmakers. I think it's really great to have FaceTime and actually get to hang out. Yeah. It's funny because I definitely have not had that opportunity with a number of filmmakers I've worked with simply because they're based in, in, you know, some other place. Yeah, Yeah. We haven't been able to meet, but I think, you know, just getting to know each other as well as you can in general. Absolutely. Because I think that, you know, certainly translates into how you're going to work together and what the musical flavor of the film is going to be. But yeah, I think it's just kind of like cool. starting that that kind of relationship where you're comfortable, where you can kind of talk about your likes and dislikes yeah. without feeling self-conscious about anything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, sharing ideas comfortably and openly that's kind of the best type of relationship you can have oh good stuff i love that that is what it's all about that Mm -hmm. kind of cool collaboration that flow of energy there oh yes and i hate to do this to you i've got to do something here to you that i do to all of my guests and gosh i i really hate to do this to you you've been so wonderful and this is something that is just going to oh I don't even know how you're going to respond to this, but it's something that I have to do. I just cannot leave you out of this process, but um, I'm going to give you a chance to opt out of this. And I know that's a little bit of information. I mean, I didn't give you much to kind of draw a conclusion on one way or the other, but all I can say, Chloe, is I've got, I got to do this to you and This is something I do to all of my guests, and I can't tell you if it'll be painful or enjoyable, but it's something that has to occur, and are you up for it? (laughs) Uh, Can you tell me what it is? (laughs) Nope, I can't tell you anything going in. You know, none of the other guests have known what this is, and (laughs) yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's pretty, uh, it's brutal. Uh, Oh, goodness. Okay, yep, you really sold me. Let's go for it. Oh, nice. (laughs) A little bit of a risk taker. I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, I'm going to give you a chance to opt out. I'm just going to give you one more chance to opt out. I have to be a gentleman. That's one thing (laughs) I have to be is a gentleman about this before doing this to you. Do you want me to opt out? I don't want you to opt out. I can say that I don't want you to, but I've I've got to offer you the opportunity to before I do this. Okay. Uh, No, I think I'm still in, I guess. I love that. Okay. Well, (laughs) I mean, this is cool. I I love people that are willing to take a few risks. So, (laughs) all that for this. Now, this is the part of the show where I ask our guests to share a a fun fact about themselves. Now, Chloe, this fun fact has to be something that people don't know about you so you've got to share something here that people would not know about you they've got to listen to this podcast and be like what okay we've got to go for that kind of a fun fact okay and i'm gonna put the spotlight on you okay um yours oh i have to think about it so something that people don't know about me (laughs) um let me think uh, <laughs> let's see what, what what types of things do other people tell you about oh my gosh there's been a plethora <laughs> of them there's been so many different ones that are all over the place now mine is I like space I'm a space I love like stargazing and oh goodness gracious if, if I could fly into space right now I'd, I'd be the first to sign up and then explore uh, the universe I love it that's I love it. A- that's a great fun fact that's cool. like not embarrassing at all yeah, that's but, really chill. but there have been some good ones though i mean <laughs> we had someone the other day talk about he had serial killer tendencies oh my wow that's really serious <laughs> uh, 
So, uh, um, yeah, let's see. It's, it's been a range. Here's a good one about me. I have really small feet. Oh, cool. That's a cool thing. That's a good thing. You know, that's a really good thing. That's an attractive thing. <laughs> uh, uh, people, people make fun of me a lot because cool. they're like, oh, do you wear like child size shoes? <laughs> I probably could. That's a good uh, thing. Shoot. But yes. Yeah, I there wish I did. I, I, I need to steal some of your jeans. So my goodness, I, I could use. I, I wear a size 15 shoe. Okay, that's re. Oh, wow. oh my goodness! Do you know how hard it is to find shoes in 15. Do you not have to go online for that? Do you know how embarrassing it is? I mean, luckily I have like somewhat of a kind of a you know stock your athletic frame so it fits. But mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's weird. You know, having a 15 shoe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I could basically <laughs> fit two of my feet in one of your shoes. So. That's that's something else. <laughs> oh, that's tremendous. So what size though? I've got to ask. You know, I've got to ask. Size six. Oh, that's six cool. Women's. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, cool. that's cool. I imagine you're pretty petite in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It makes much like with you, it makes sense. I'm Good. short and yeah. small, but that's cool. you know, people do tend to notice it. So it's kind of like a funny, yeah, strange cool, fact about me. I yeah, guess. it's a cool fun fact there. That's, that's pretty <laughs> slick. You know, I had someone on the show who uh here's one for you. She has one hand that's smaller than the other hand so oh, that was kind of that's interesting unique, yeah it was kind of a unique fun fact there so yeah it's pretty cool okay. small feet that's a good good fun fact there <laughs> all that for that right oh my goodness. yeah i know right outrageous that's all that Ugh, terrible and max that's terrible terrible max but yeah we're getting close to the end of the show you've been so wonderful i want to ask you about you know if you weren't doing what you're doing right now what would you be doing like in a completely different life what would what would interest you Hmm. You know, I think if I were more science minded, I would oh, be a doctor. Nice. Interesting. Any particular type? Because there's a lot of ways you can go with that. Family Probably care. Like an e- I think like an ER doctor. Oh, it seems like exciting. That intensity. You would you would be up for that, huh? That's a lot of crazy <laughs> stuff coming in there, though. Yeah, yeah, I, I, right. I couldn't handle it now. I would probably like faint for <laughs> sight of blood. But I think in general, yeah. it's just like I like the idea of not working in an office all day and, yes. and helping people. And it's just, you know, never a dull moment, I guess. Oh, I, I do tech when I'm not doing my film stuff. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I can I understand what that's like. You know, you've been in an office all day. You're kind of behind the screen a lot, too, as well. So it'd be mm-hmm. nice to kind of be live and up front with something that's a little more uh, gets the juices flowing, I guess. You know? Yeah, that's yeah, definitely. Yeah, interesting. Okay, cool, cool uh, little fact there. Now, is there any advice that you would like to share with someone that might be listening to this podcast who may want to do what you're doing right now? Maybe they don't know where to start. Maybe they don't have the resources, but maybe they kind of want to do some of the cool stuff that you're doing right now. Is there any advice you'd give that individual? Yeah, I think, you know, I got started um, with two things. One was the great internships that I had and the mentors, you know, in those internships. And then also just working with student filmmakers, Yeah, you know, just like get right in there. And it certainly helped, you know, I went to grad school at NYU and, and had classes about all this stuff and kind of learned the process of licensing, which I get is can be complicated. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you can find someone to kind of mentor you a bit, you don't need that necessarily, you know, to go to school for it. And you can just kind of learn on the job. And if you have good taste in music and you're good at communicating, you know, the licensing stuff, you can certainly figure out. So that's, that's my recommendation. I think internships and actually just getting in there and working with student or independent filmmakers. Oh, so, so true. It's great advice right there. And before we wrap, feel free to plug anything you wish, you know, websites, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you'd like to share. How can folks get in touch with you? Sure. So my website is chloerains.com. I'm on Twitter with that same handle. On Instagram, it's purple rains. I love that. <laughs> Spelled R-A-Y-N-E-S, of course. Nice. <laughs> and yeah, I think I think that's that's the way you can reach me. Very cool stuff. And folks, I will leave that information in the show notes there. So check that out. And my gosh, I've got to thank you for coming on this podcast and dealing with my crazy self and all of our (laughs) listeners out there. I really appreciate you sharing that information that you've shared. You're certainly in a unique line of work. And I do think that marriage between music and film is, is just the perfect marriage if there is such a thing. So I appreciate you, you know, you coming on the show and kind of taking us behind the scenes in you know, your world. It's quite fascinating to say the least. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Yay, good stuff. I'm glad you had fun. You're not going to cuss me out for that fun fact then, right? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. It's so funny. The weirdest thing I can think of, you know? <laughs> uh, really, really good stuff. 
there. And um, <laughs> again, thanks for coming on the Cinema After Dark podcast. But I think it's time to uh, going to use a musical term here and drop the mic. I think we're going <laughs> to drop the mic here. What do you think? Sounds good. All right, folks. Well, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you check out her website and. God, if you're an indie filmmaker out there, you've got some music out there that's, you know, reach out to her. You know, it's pretty good stuff. Pretty <laughs> good stuff. But that was Chloe Rains. Make sure you check her out. And on that note, we will be back with more after this break. You are listening to the Cinema After Dark podcast. My name is Max Cole and I host this show and hopefully you are feeling inspired. It's been a wonderful time tonight. I want to remind everyone that you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe to us there. Greatly appreciate that. Obviously, please spread the word about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Cinema After Dark. Again, thank you all for listening, and we will be back with more shortly. And welcome back to the Cinema After Dark podcast here tonight. Before we wrap, I want to thank tonight's guest, Miss Chloe Rains, for joining us on the program. What a great discussion that was. It was highly informative there for those looking to license some music there for their films or for those looking to get their music licensed for films. She was a wealth of information there. Really appreciate that wonderful discussion there. Most importantly, I want to thank all of you for tuning in to this podcast tonight. Obviously, the show does not exist without you listening, so please continue to spread the word about this show. With that said, 